Go ahead. This is your time right now. If you're a praiser, this is your moment. If you're a worshiper, this is your time. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, the name of Jesus on our lips, the presence of Jesus in our midst, the presence of the Lord is in this room with us right now. And one thing I know about the presence of the Lord is when he moves in, things that sometimes seem impossible, even in our minds, before he does it, he begins to impart special faith to us that we can believe for the supernatural to happen. Our God is a supernatural God. What we call a miracle is not a miracle to him. You ever think about that? It's a miracle to us. But to him, is just doing what he can do. And tonight, I feel like God has a miracle. And the way God works miracles is he starts on the inside and then that thing manifests on the outside. And the Lord works with worshipers and praisers and people who are thankful. And we are gathered here tonight, front, back, left, right, to the center with people that have hands lifted, voices lifted. And we're here to worship the King of Kings tonight. I'm glad I know who the real king is. I'm glad that you know who the king is. He's altogether lovely. He's never done anything but good to me. When I did not deserve it, he was there. Matter of fact, it's not like there was any time that we ever did deserve it. It's always been undeserving, but yet this God who is merciful has pulled us out. I, I give honor to pastor tonight. I love and appreciate the whole Goins family, every one of them. They're genuine people. You have a great pastor, pastor's wife, such a sweet lady. Uh, yes. And I appreciate you, Pastor Goins and, and uh, 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 Bishop and Sister Goins have been friends of mine from the beginning of my ministry. And uh, I appreciate people that have genu genuine and a sincere love for people. If you don't love people, you have no business in one of these pulpits. You have no business for this. If you don't love people, and you got to love people who are sometimes unlovable, that's us. Sometimes we have bad attitudes and we're not easy to get along with. But, but I love God and I love God's people. I'm going to take you to the word of the Lord. And I'm going to the book of John chapter number 20. And I'm going to talk about Jesus tonight. Would that be all right? I, 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 I believe this with everything that's in me. is, uh, And I've experienced this from time to time. Is that there are times that I just feel nothing but Jesus in the house. And that's what I want to sense tonight. I want to feel the love and the presence of this man named Jesus. I'm going to the book of John, chapter number 20. There's already people that are set up and ready to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. People that are here that are receiving the Holy Ghost are going to receive the Holy Ghost. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost, if you'll make a beeline to that water in just a moment and be baptized in the name of the Lord, listen to me. You're going to come up out of that water speaking in other tongues. The 
the book of John, chapter number 20, verse number 19. I begin in verse 19. And the same day and evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And they, watch this, when they, he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his feet. He showed unto them his hands and his feet. And, they, and, and then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. But verse 24 said, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But when he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Tell your neighbor, say, Neighbor, I want to see for myself. And after eight days, again, the disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus and the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. You know the word of God's powerful when you don't even have to preach it. You just say it and there it is. It speaks for itself. Slip up your hands to him if you want to touch those same hands that Thomas touched. If you want to feel around that same side that Thomas touched. If you want to feel Jesus tonight, I want you to talk to Jesus right now. I encourage you right now at this moment in time, every man, woman, boy, girl, everything in this house that you would call out to Jesus. Would you do that right now? Would you tell him, Lord Jesus, I want to experience you like I never have before. I want to come closer to you than I ever have before. I want to know you on a new level. Lord, I want to understand what you understand, love what you love, hate what you hate, know what you know. I love you. I appreciate your presence. Your anointing sweep over tonight. This is your night, God. Take over. Do what you want to do. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I'm just a spokesperson introducing you to these sweet people at Glenmore. So we're going to clap our hands and say we present the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. If he walked in here, how would you clap? If he come cascading down the banister rail of glory, how would you applaud that? Just tell somebody this. Say, I might be wounded, but I'm still going to worship. You can be seated. Something powerful happens when wounded people worship. As a matter of fact, both Christian-wise or secularly, there is something that is very powerful when you hear a person sing a song that has experienced what they're singing about. 
It's one thing for somebody just to tell a story. It's another thing when a person has lived that story. As a matter of fact, I heard this um, of all things about country music, that the majority of the number one songs in country music were written by people who were going through very depressed times. They said, I wrote this song whenever this happened. I wrote this uh, after my mother's funeral. I wrote this after a divorce, a breakup, and so on. Typically, is something about men and women when they are broken when they have been cut when they have been bruised it's at that time that it defines what you're going to do with your life where you're going to turn how you're going to live there are some people that make a terrible decision when things happen to them it's how you respond you must know this one thing life is not fair ladies and gentlemen if you live in this life go ahead and mark it down you're going to get lied on you're going to get hurt you're going to get beat up bang bruised but the fact is you cannot do anything about what happens to you but you can decide how you're going to react to what happens and I must tell us as Christian brethren and Christian sisters and those of you who are going to be Christians after tonight by faith in God uh, that, that whenever trouble comes your way uh, the real thing that you must learn and we don't hear it preached much anymore uh, but that when people do you wrong uh, our job and our reaction is to pray for those who despitefully use us because there's something about brokenness that God loves it he's drawn to it there's something about people that cry and tears run down their face that if you can use what has happened to you as a positive you will not be amazed you will be shocked to find that it will cause you to love Jesus on a level like you could not love before somebody stuck a knife in your back See, this is what I love about the body of Christ. And this is what I also sometimes don't like about the body of Christ. Is people walk in here and they see us looking good and smelling good. And on Sunday, uh, you know, we put on our best clothes. We put on our best cologne. We, we, we fix the hair. We do all of this stuff. And people come in. But if they could see the real you, if they could see the bloodied up you, if they could see you 10 years ago, uh, because they come in and they see Pentecostalism. They see apostolic dress code And I love it I'm for it I'm all about it What I'm saying to you is Is that you would be surprised At some of the people That are sitting here now That look like they got it all together That just a few short years ago They were contemplating Blowing their brains out You'd be surprised At some of these people that are standing here with long hair and long skirt now uh, they had a long needle stuck in their arm just not long ago and the devil says you'll never be like them honey you're just like us you're running from that to this One of the biggest tricks of the devil is to walk you into a service like this and have you look up here at preachers and look at preachers' wives and, and, and look across this uh, uh, congregation at people and say, you don't fit in. You're not like them. Uh, you'll, you'll never fit. They must have been born in this. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that, that I'm, I'm fourth generation Pentecostal. But let me tell you what I'm more excited about is my wife who was not raised in church about some of you that didn't know nothing about nothing but somehow God reached down pulled you out of a belly of hell 
took all your scars, all your mess, all your drama, brought you, and you're the, you got the same Holy Ghost we got. You got the same baptism we have. I'm going to tell you, some folks make the best preachers and prayer warriors who said, I done been in the world. I don't want nothing to do with the world. I'm not putting one side against the other. I'm just going to tell you, that's why sometimes cocaine addicts can out-worship some of us that were born at apostolic tables and that worshiped around apostolic altars. Give me a cocaine. Give me a crystal meth addict that says, you don't know where I come from. I... Why is it that usually it's those people that have a greater story? It's those people that got a louder shout. I'm going to tell you why. Clap your hands before you sit down. I'm going to tell you why. No. I know churches that can only grow internally. That's fine. You can only get in that church if you kin to the pastor or you somehow related to somebody. You got to know somebody to know somebody or you can't get in the click of the church. The real church of Jesus Christ has no clicks. It has no clubs. It has no this level, that level. I'm glad in Glenmore that they just say, you got the Holy Ghost, you baptize, you're one of us. I'm glad to know that I'm with people. We don't check your last name. We want to know what was your baptizing name. We want to know, did you get Jesus' name? You don't have to be a Johnson. You don't have to be a Goins. You don't have to be a this or a that. There's some of you that you're here right now. You're more family to this church than you are your own family at home. story I got a hold to was this was that in Florida many years ago I heard the story uh, about a mother that was washing dishes and, and she heard her young boy Timothy was his name and, and Timothy started screaming and as Timothy started screaming that motherly instinct kicked in she threw the dishes down headed out the back door into the bag and she looked and there was an alligator that got a hold to her I believe it was a 9 or 10 year old boy named Timothy had got a hold of Timothy and was pulling Timothy down into the swamp in the backyard. Uh, that mother took off running. She wasn't worried about uh, 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 how she looked. She wasn't worried about it. She was overmatched. She grabbed a hold to her boy, Timothy, and began to pull. Went into a, a tug of war, if you would, between that alligator. That alligator would roll and that mama would flip and turn. And she pulled and she fought. That alligator had a hold to Timothy's legs trying to bite him and, and pull him in the swamp but that mama had a hold to a death grip on the other end she said if you're going to take my baby you're going to take me too because I'm not going to let go I'm here to fight to the death this 
mama and this gator in a fight. As the story goes, I believe it was an a, a, a old farmer that was driving by, a rancher or somebody. He seen what was going on. He, he's going down the backside. He sees it. He gets out. He shoots the alligator and, and the boys take him to the hospital. He's being bandaged up. He's being uh, fixed up from his wounds from this gator attack. When, when some news person comes in and they're there to interview Timothy. They're, they've heard this story, this miraculous rescue and they began to interview Timothy. Uh, simultaneously the doctor walks in and he says I'm here to check on you Timothy and Timothy says uh, you here to look at my bobos? He said yeah I'm here to look at your bobos and with a news person there writing down what is happening uh, he said do you want to see my good ones or my bad ones? And the doctor said what do you mean good ones or bad ones? He said well he said the bad ones is the ones that alligator put on me when he was trying to kill me. He said what are the good ones? He said the good ones are from my mama's fingernails where she dug in to under my arms and she clawed me and she scratched me pulling me out of the mouth of that beast. Can I tell some of you right now you might be scratched up but sometime God said it's better that I put a mark on you than I let you go into the belly of hell. You know why some of you are here right now? It's because God didn't let you go. When your enemies and your foes came upon you to eat your flesh, they stumbled and fell and God said, this one's mine and I may have to scar you up getting you sa- I may have to let you go through some stuff, but I refuse just to let you go. Oh, he loved you too much. You got to understand something here uh, about Thomas and these disciples and that is this is that these disciples after Jesus has died on the cross uh, they have locked themselves uh, behind closed doors afraid of the Jews. Uh, they think they are thinking this way uh, it's very possible that we might be next. Just imagine that tonight uh, in comes uh, the authorities and they take the bishop and they pull the pastor out and they kill him in the street Uh, we would find out who the real Christians were at prayer meeting tomorrow night you would find out Wednesday night by those who showed up to church after you saw this kind of a thing happen once your leader has been taken from you you would decide very quickly if you're just living because of the pressure of who's looking or are you really living for Jesus at all these disciples show back up, but they're in a panic. They're, they're anxious. They're thinking. Uh, they lock the doors. They say, we don't want anybody in here. It's amazing that, 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 that they even come together at all. They're scratching their head. They're wringing their hands. They're saying, any moment, those doors could pop open, and they could come take one of us. Peter's thinking, they're going to get me next. Oh, no. They're going to get, uh, what is going to happen next? But let me tell you what happens next. In the middle of not a dynamic prayer meeting, but the most fearful moment under panic, under duress in through the walls, he doesn't need a door he is the door, he just steps into the room, suddenly there appears Jesus 
in the middle of their chaos, in the middle of their fear and their fright, Jesus steps into the room with them. And when he steps into the room with them, notice what he does. He does not show them a miracle. He does not show them a crown. He does not show them a jewel from heaven. He doesn't show them his throne. He doesn't show them a vision. He says, I know what to make you believe. He shows them his hands and his feet. Here's one bad thing about missing church though is that Peter, or excuse me, Thomas is not there. Thomas hears about it through a text message. Somebody says, you won't believe what happened at church tonight. Jesus showed up. We saw things. You can't believe it. We got proof of the resurrection. He gets secondhand information. Let me help you understand something. The minute that you decide that you're going to live vicariously a Christian life through somebody else's worship, somebody else's testimony, you're going to find out that you're always catching the news after it's already happened happen but I want to be here on the front lines so whatever goes on tonight I can say I was there when she got the Holy Ghost I was there I wish I had somebody that say, I'm not living off my grandma's prayers. I'm not living off of Papa's prayers. I'm not living off the bishop's prayer. I'm going to get this for myself. I, Thomas said, I won't believe it until I see it with my own eyes. I preached this guy many times and I was pretty rough on Thomas called him Doubting Thomas called him all kinds of names and he don't have any faith but the fact of the matter is I think Thomas might have had more faith than we thought he had because Thomas did not say I just am never going to believe he just said it like this you got to see it and I want to see what you saw for myself in other words, I'm glad you spoke in tongues. I'm glad you got a miracle. But what I'm saying is, I need Jesus to come do for me personally what you're talking about he done for you. Can I shout this one more time? I believe I'm with folks at Glenmore that are saying, Lord, I'm glad what I heard about you doing for somebody else. But I need you to show up Sunday night right here about 7 o'clock. I need you to come over here and put it on me like you put it on them. Let me touch what they touched. Let me feel what they felt. Let me see what they saw, hear what they heard, and know what they know. And Jesus hears that conversation when Thomas says, they said, you sure did miss it. He said, well, I sure would like to see it. Eight days later, Jesus does the same thing. The door's being locked. Again, he don't need a key. He don't need a, a, a passcode. He doesn't need a door, a window. He doesn't need a way in. Imagine this, through the walls over here, suddenly in steps the king of glory. All of a sudden, in his splendor, he steps in and does the same thing again. He shows in and he tells Thomas, he said, I didn't bring you a crown. I didn't bring you a, 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 a photo of the throne room. I want you to put your finger in the hole in my hand. You must hear what I'm about to say to you. Then he says, take that hand and put it into my side. Feel down in my side where that Roman soldier come by and thought to break my legs but changed his mind. And to see if I was dead, he gouged that old spear into my side and fought with blood and water begin to flow. Put your hand in that scar. 
check me out. He said, handle me and see. I want you to see my wounds. Notice something. He doesn't show them the miraculous. He doesn't show them a wonder. He shows them the scars and the wounds that are in his hands and in his sides. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid to tell us this tonight, but I'm going to do it. A lot of times the thing that we're trying to hide is the very thing God said, if you let this world see how hurt you were, it would give Jesus glory. I'm afraid that sometimes we want to look so proper and so prim and so cute and we want to act like we never had a problem. That don't get nobody nowhere. You need to tell them such were some of us. We were in trouble. We were depressed. We didn't know how to get out. We were suicidal. We were losing our mind. But then came Jesus and said, I got wounds that will heal your wounds. God, give me this for somebody. I knew I was going to preach this over a week ago before I got here. And this is what I, I come to tell you tonight. Is that it's the enemy's job to tell you that you're not like Jesus and you're not like his people. That you're only like Jesus if you're, you know, walking on water. Let me help you understand something. You've never been as much like Jesus as you are when you have been misunderstood for trying to do the right thing. You have never been as much like Jesus as you are when you do what you know God wants you to do and your own friends and your own family persecute you because you're making a stand to do for what you know is right. I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. It, you've never been as much like the Lord as you are. I, let me say it like this. Some of you got your own family that'll stab you in the back. But thank God you got a church full of people in Glenmore that'll pull it out. Pour in the iron. Pour in the water. Pour in the oil. Pour in healing and love. I'm talking to some people here. The devil said, you ain't like Jesus. Look at the trouble you got. Honey, my trouble is what makes me like Jesus. I got whole. I'm many many years ago I was preaching way off somewhere and I walked into a pastor's office no offense to him but it was you've seen it before I've seen it before it was the most beautiful painting I mean it looked like you know Leonardo da Vinci somebody painted it of Jesus hanging on the cross I mean it was just perfect prim proper I mean he has this perfect loincloth he's got a beautiful halo shining over his head I mean it's just beautiful and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said that is a lie said what Lord and the Lord said you don't preach me like that it was a shameful event it wasn't something that you'd want small children to see being like Jesus is not hanging on a perfect cross with every hair in place and no the Bible said he was stripped naked and he was beat his face was beat off the little translation says his he was marred more than any man which means his face is beat off he's beat to a pulp he's bleeding people would have grabbed their kids and said don't look that way that's shameful that, that, that's, that's rated R that's, that's blood guts that's 
gore. That's horrible. But let me tell you, that's what our lives are sometimes when you try to live for God, try to do what's right, just try to live holy. And the devil comes along and says, you're not anything like these people. You're not anything like Jesus. Let me tell you, devil, you don't even know nothing about Jesus. The Jesus I'm preaching about, when he shows up tonight, he ain't going to come with a throne. He's going to come say, I've been where you've been. And that makes me feel better. Not to know that I'm just going where he is, but to know he's been, you've been beat on too. Oh yeah, I've been whipped, I've been beat. But the good news is, I'm still standing. Being like Jesus is not walking on the water. Being like Jesus is having the one who walked on the water with you get off the water and then curse and deny that he even knows who you are. You've never been like Jesus until you had somebody sell you out for 30 pieces of silver that rather have money than have the relationship until you've had somebody that has sold you down the river until you got a Judas in your life. You don't qualify to be like Jesus. I know it doesn't shout as good because we think being like Jesus is working miracles. But the Lord stopped me again the other day and I saw the scripture It said, And he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these. He didn't say miracles, he said works. Being like Jesus is not always doing a miracle. It's sometimes doing some work that nobody else wants to do. And then being criticized for doing what you do for the Lord. But I believe I'm with folks tonight that says, devil, you just keep on criticizing me. Keep on knocking holes in me. Because I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding revival. That's what's coming out of me. Every time I bleed, every time you bust me up, every time you throw another punch at me, every time I'm bruised. Until you've cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then you don't yet know what it's like to be like Jesus. Being like Jesus is not having the glory of God over your head at 24-7. Being like Jesus is sometimes coming in the church service like this, lifting up your hands to a God that you can't even feel. While other folks look like that they're plugged into 220, but you're here thinking, my God, have you left me where you're at? But you've got enough sense to know, but I'm still going to hang in here even if I don't feel you. I know there's nothing waiting on me outside those doors. Is there anybody that ever praised him when you didn't even feel nothing to praise you praised him by faith is there anybody tonight that said I don't even feel him yet I'm not praising him because I feel him I'm praising him because I love him I'm not praising him because I sense him I'm praising him because I know that I want to know him no Till you've been wounded in the house of your friends, you don't yet know what it's like to be like Jesus. Being like Jesus is not winning the popularity contest. Being like Jesus is having the people that are your own come unto them and have them say, crucify him, his blood be on us. Until you know what it's like to be hated, to be lied on, to be spit upon, slapped upon, 
beat to a pulp, you don't yet know what it's like to be like Jesus. So the next time the devil says, you're nothing like Jesus, then you can agree to a degree and say, yeah, but I know what being like Jesus is. It's not sitting on a throne, winning the popularity contest. It's having my own flesh and blood sometime. Say, what are you doing going to that church? What are you doing with them crazy tongue talkers? I'm doing what Jesus done. I'm going to get with the lowly. I'm going to get with the people that nobody else wants to be around because I'm at home with those lost sheep. I'm at home with those people that nobody else wants to love or be around. That's what it's like to be like Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. You ought to tell your neighbor right now, we're more like Jesus than we thought we were. We got more of his DNA. So I come to tell you tonight, to those of you that have been hurt, to those of you that feel like you're insignificant, to those of you that have been going through some battles, if you've been lied on, if you've been traded, if you've been sold out, all this works to a more exceeding way to glory, the Bible said. This makes you more like him, the fact that you endure suffering. Because this is what I come to tell the devil tonight. I might be wounded, but I'm still worshiping. I might be damaged, but I'm still delivered. I might be pierced, but I'm still praising. Are there any wounded worshipers in this building tonight? But for the last 20 minutes, you've been getting a revelation. You know what? My life looks more like Jesus than I thought. He became like us so we could become like him. The son of God became the son of man so the sons of men could become the sons of God. Listen to me. I'll hasten along. I'll hurry. But just quickly, I feel to give you this tonight. Is, is that you've never been as much like Jesus as when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. You've never been as much like Jesus until you're trying to do the right thing and you have people misunderstand what your motive is and why you're trying to, until everything goes haywire and suddenly you find that people you thought were with you because let me promise you something, living for God, you're going to find something out. The people you thought was going to be there are going to be the first ones to turn and run. And people you never thought give a flip is going to be the people who put their arm around you and say, we're here with you, we love you, we're going to stand with you. God, I feel like prophesying now. Some of you only found out who your real friends were when you got in the foxhole. That's why God let you get in a battle. He said, because you don't need that one and you don't need that one because the minute the water gets hot, they're going to turn on you and trade you out. He said, but I'm going to throw you in a fiery fray so you'll find out who the real Christians are. I'm going to put you in the middle of a battle so you'll find out in Glenmore that those people at that church, they'll stand with you when the world's on fire anybody found out the people in the house of God they more related to you than your own family it is the truth and the truth is this your reaction to those people should never be I hate you for hating me the greatest favor you can ever be done is to sometime be tried 
to be hurt. Your Bible said, I got these scriptures, but I'm not going to it. But your Bible said, when God saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. Oh, I learned this too late in life, but I figured it out. And I'm about to give it to you what God told me about a year ago. A little over a year ago, God spoke something to me. He said, I won't, because I would hold so much stuff back. I said, let's let me go preach and let me do my thing and do that. And, you know, just don't let me rock the boat too much. And the more I prophesied and the more I, I had revival, I thought people would love you for doing what God wants you to do. I found just the opposite. I found that the more you get anointed and the more you pray and try how to live right the more you expose people who ain't doing right and they'll hate you for it oh yeah oh yeah the, somebody said uh, there are people that are willing to die for Jesus and there's some other folks willing to kill them for living for Jesus and the Lord spoke to me and he said I want you to start living for me in such a way that calls persecution to come to your life. He said I want you to say things, preach things, worship me and live for me in such a radical way that it causes people to come against you. I said Lord why would I want to do that? I'm not, why would I ever think about doing that? He said because the more they battle you the more it'll give me a reason to bless you. And the more they revile you the more it'll give me a reason to give you revival I stood up from my prayer room I said I got you sir the Lord said I want you he said you know you're not having real revival until you get persecuted until they say I don't know about all that I mean when you got real miracles devil's going to question what you're doing And your Bible said that Rachel and Leah, these two wives of Jacob, I don't have time to preach about them. I personally believe they were twins. I personally believe that they weren't one ugly, one beautiful. The Bible never said Leah was ugly. The Bible said she was tender-eyed. I believe they were twins. How do you know I can make an assumption to it is the fact that they said that on the wedding night that Jacob goes in with Leah and thinks it's Rachel. Now you mean to tell me you can't get that drunk? I believe these girls look the same. I believe these girls were very much the same. The tender-eyed in the Hebrew, when I looked it up, it literally meant that she had a, a low self-esteem. It meant that she kind of was down on herself. Rachel was bouncy and popular, but Leah was kind of down on herself. But God said, that's okay. He said, whenever they start talking about you and they start running you down and they start, to, he said, because I got a son that's coming and I'm going to feel his pain through your life. And when I see them do that to you, I'm going to start giving giving you revival I'm going to open up your womb and I'm going to start letting you more and guess what the beautiful girl over here doesn't have any babies until Rachel Leah who's being persecuted has her womb opened up the worst thing the devil can do is cause people to lie against you and to criticize you and to hate on you and your worst response to it will be is if you try to rival back. Can I give you the proper response in closing tonight? The Bible said in Luke 6 and 22, blessed are ye when. Tell your neighbor, say, this is how you know if you're blessed. I'm going to preach this very different from the way the false prophets preach it on TV and radio because they preach it like this. Blessed are you when you got a thousand dollar suit, everybody loves you, and everybody says you got the best church in the world, we love your ministry, and you got money in your pockets. Then you blessed when you got a fat bank account. 
Uh, wrong answer. Jesus said, never mind what they said. Jesus said, blessed are you when men shall hate you. Yeah, yeah. And when they shall separate you from their company. And they shall reproach you. And cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. This goes against everything that you hear preached nowadays. Because everything nowadays says, well, we're going to be blessed. I want to be blessed too. But let me tell you what goes along with being blessed. Go along with being blessed is there going to be people that are going to come try to curse your blessing. But here's your job. Next verse, 23. He said, but rejoice. Wait a minute. Let me read this. Verse 23. Have you got to be kidding me, Jesus? If I'm lied on, people are separating from my company. They're hurting me. They're damaging me. They're, they're messing my reputation up. They're gossiping against me. You want me to do what? Uh, suck my thumb, get out of worship, and just feel sorry for myself, right? No. You rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, great is your reward in heaven. Now, here's who I'm preaching to right now. Those of you that said, I've had this person say this and this person say that and they're doing me like this and so I'm going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. That's false doctrine. You're in the wrong area. He said, if the more they do you wrong, you should be the biggest leaper in this church. You don't run because everybody else is blessing you. If they curse you, God said, I'll bless you if you'll run when they curse you. If they lie on you, I'll put favor on you. But you got to shout when they try to curse you. Let's raise our hands and love the Lord and tell him, Lord, I might be wounded. But I'm worshiping tonight. I'm going to take 30 seconds and tell him, I may be wounded, but I'm worshiping tonight. I might be wounded, but somehow I'm still standing here tonight. So some of y'all come in here like this. On a spiritual staff. A little over a year ago, I was preaching revival. Aimwell, Louisiana. My wife called me about 4.30 and I was sitting, praying, studying in the evangelist quarters. My wife texts me, Ashley, and she said, hey, I just seen on the radar that there is a tornado coming right where you're at. She said, please hurry up and go over to the church. I had a staff looks just about like this that I always kept in my prayer room. It stays in my prayer room above my prayer place 24-7. Never move it. For some reason, I brought it with me that particular week of revival. I looked over. I stacked my Bible. I stacked my things up and I could tell it kind of looked eerie outside. I took this staff. I went over to the door of that trailer that was sitting up on pylons on block and I set it at crossways like this in the door. I went to the shower to get ready, but when I got in there, uh, the electricity immediately went out. It was pitch black, and I heard what sounded like a freight train coming, but there ain't no freight train in Aimwell. It was a, whatever, EF2 uh, tornado. 
Come hit the front of that church, cave the front end of the church down. Come to the back of that church, sit down, hit that 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 little trailer that I was in. It hit it, and whenever it hit it, uh, I was standing in the back in the bathroom, and I grabbed the door facing on both sides. I grabbed the door in the top, and when I grabbed it, it picked that thing up about ten feet in the air, and it started turning. It turned it four times, turned that trailer over four times. I was between a washing machine, a refrigerator, threw me in the living room began to flip me around broke my jaw in three places I was bloodied I was deaf I could not hear anything it was pitch black and whenever I woke up I found that somehow when the lights come back on uh, the sun was so dark when this thing was happening it throwed me I think they they said about 80 feet that thing rolled and uh, the doctors was amazed that I was even alive and and whenever all the dust settled I, I found myself standing in the middle of the living room I was knee deep standing through the floor I couldn't figure out what was going on. I looked and the sink was on the ceiling. And the cabinets that belonged up to the ceiling were on the floor. And I realized I was standing through ceiling tile. And I was barefoot, blood dripping all over me. And, and I was standing. And I literally said to myself out loud to God, I guess. I said, oh God. I said, this thing is upside down. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, yes, but you're still standing. I want to speak this to somebody's life right now. Your whole world might have tumbled upside down. But God said, look at you. You're still standing. You're wounded, but you're still alive. You're you're hurting, but you're still here. Your whole world might have been shook. Everything around you might be in chaos. But the Lord said, I kept you right side up. It took them 15 minutes to get me. I was disoriented. I I couldn't hear. I was deaf. My ear was swollen up. My neck, they thought, was broke. It took forever to get me out. But when they finally, when the man come, a a young girl climbed in and opened the door. And another man come in. And and they started moving this. This room was upside down. They finally opened an upside down door. Tell your neighbor, an upside down door. When they opened up that upside down door, uh, a man that was across the street had brought a chair because we was up off the ground, put a chair. And as I stepped off, twisted ankles, bruised up knees, I mean, I'm a mess. But when I stepped across the threshold of that upside down door, I was reminded of something. That was the same door I had put that staff in. I read what the Bible said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Can I tell you, you've never been as much like Jesus as you are when you go through all kinds of topsy-turvy stuff going upside down. But yet somehow, he says, I'm going to keep you standing. Having done all to stand, you're still alive. Tell your neighbor, look at them and pray on them and point to them and say, you're still alive. You're still alive. Tell five people around you, point to them, say, but you're still alive. But do you understand you're still here? But do you understand that God kept you alive? You should be dead, but you're alive. They carried me off to the hospital. 
I got to the hospital. They started telling me all this. My pastor called me. He called me. He said, "My God, man." He said, "We got." He said, "I just heard about a daughter and and her a mother and her daughter who just died in the same tornado. Same thing. They were in a trailer. It flipped. It imploded. It blowed up." He said, "They're dead." He said, "It's amazing. You're alive." The doctor told me. He said, "Usually when those mobile homes turn one or two times, he said they disintegrate and it blows apart." I said, "Man," I said, "I don't know how it's still alive except to tell you this." Is that God kept me standing when everything turned? I landed on my feet, rolled upside down like I was in a washing machine. But when it was all over, somehow I was standing on my feet. Let me tell you, somebody, I don't care what hell throws at you. If you can get up to your feet, if you can pull yourself to your feet and tell the devil, I'm just like Jesus on this one. When they done all they could to him, he stepped through the walls and stood and said, I'm wounded, but I'm still here. Lay your hand on that person right next to you right now and tell them, say, you're wounded, but you're here. Pray over them right now. Speak over their life right now. Speak over their life and tell them, say, God, you got a plan for this man. You got a plan for this woman. They're wounded. They're pierced. But they're still here. Don't Don't move at all. Stay exactly where you're at right now. The Holy Ghost is trying to move in this room right now. Whoever you got a hold to, wherever you're standing, just don't move. Just catch a hold to them and open your mouth and begin to pray out loud, as loud as you can right now. All over this house, obey the Lord and pray. God's trying to move in here right now. Let that out for a moment. Let that out before we do something different. Let what's in you out. Speak it out. all over this church all over this building right now there are people that are still standing wherever you're at remain there and pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment pray in the Holy Ghost right now God is going to birth something through your wounds. Somebody please hear the Lord right now. He uses wounded people to heal other wounded people. He heals scarred people so they can be a healing to other folks that are going to be scarred. He brings you through it so you got power to undo it. There's somebody that's still here tonight because the presence of Jesus kept you standing. You're still alive. You ought to have your hands in the air. You ought to have your mouth lifted. You ought to be shouting out, Lord, God, you got to have a plan. No more am I going to be upset about what's cut on me, what's marred me, what's scarred me. I'm not going to be ashamed of my scars. That's the last thing I want you to tell the Lord tonight. And you can become 
spontaneous. Tell him, Lord, I'm not ashamed of my scars. No more am I going to be ashamed of my scars. I appreciate you, Pastor, because he's this way. But I'm going to tell you how I've learned to be. And this is why God's given me revival. Or not give me revival. Allow me to witness revival. Because I've become real and transparent. I quit trying to be something I'm not. And trying to hide stuff I've been through. That when you go through stuff, regardless what happens to you, God lets you go through it. It does not make you less. Because you come through turbulence. And you come through stuff. When you come through it and you make it through it, that's your testimony. And there's somebody that says my God you really come through that you really went through that you mean you really you would be shocked the revival you'd have in your city if you begin to tell people I used to be on drugs me and my marriage was on the rocks I come through a big fight in my church me and my family have been estranged for each other and here we are back together when you start telling how God kept you together Okay, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm going to do two things. We're going to have an altar call. If you want to come, you can, but I'm going to pray this and say this. You're in here. You had an abortion, and the enemies beat you up about it, about an abortion that you had years ago to the point that you wonder, you know, am I even going to make it? I want to tell you something. Our God is a merciful God. And if he can forgive anything, he can forgive anything. Can I say this again? If he can forgive us of anything, he can forgive us of everything. There's no one thing that he says, well, not that. No. There is a God that is in this place right now that not only does he forgive, he heals the scars of yesteryear. When Jesus showed up to those disciples, he didn't just have holes that were bleeding. It had healed up. It had dried up. Was there a hole? Was there a scar? Yes. It was a healed up wound. It was not in the shape it was on Calvary. That The Lord went through a healing process himself. And I want you to take both of your hands and lay them on your stomach right now all over this house. I want you to lay your hands on your stomach and I want you to say, God, do emotional healing in me. Heal me emotionally. Heal me on the inside. Heal me, oh Lord God, of anything in my life. Anything that's sitting in me that wants to become bitterness. Anything in me, oh God, that wants to become angry. Anything in me that wants to be unforgiving. Anything that wants to see what I've went through and began to lash out anything that wants to be hateful and vengeful let's pray this right now God's healing a lady in this house right now God is healing a lady in this house right now healing your mind healing you from all this there's a healing I want you to call out to the Lord for just a moment and be very obedient to the Lord what praise out of your mouth we're about to start baptizing people we're about to start praying people receiving the Holy Ghost we're about to see signs and wonders and miracles but this is the most important part right here let the Lord go in there where nobody can see it's the wounds that nobody else knows about and God's telling somebody right now forgive forget and move on and I'll bless you big because of what you went through you I feel angels in here you can tell your wife 
Here, get ready. Get ready. Let me ask her. You got some names picked out yet? Plural, two. Come let her answer that question. Come let her answer that. The Lord spoke to me specifically to ask you this question. Do you have any names yet? You do? I dare you to say. How many did I say? Did you hear me say two? Did I say names plural? Did the Lord say she already had it picked out? Do you think I would miss the Lord here with all y'all standing here watching me? No, because I'm prophesying that the Lord is going to fulfill exactly what he told you. Pray that church, that right there is birthing something right now. Right now. That's exactly what to do. Start praising God like it already happened. I'm just going to touch you, mama. I'm just going to lay my hand on you. I'm going to pray on you. I'm going to speak it over you. Father, not me, but in your name, Jesus. What you told me to say, what you told me to do. I declare it. Womb open by the name of Jesus. Go ahead, ladies. Go over there, Chris. Let's pray it out. Let's pray it out. Matter of fact, while they're giving birth over here in the spirit, if you're here and you need the Holy Ghost, if you're here, I'm going to give it two ways right now before we pray for sick folk. If you're here, you need the Holy Ghost for the first time, or if you haven't spoken tongues in a long time, you haven't had a breakthrough in a long time and you need the Holy Ghost tonight tonight is your night tonight is your night if you want the Holy Ghost tonight just come to this altar right now just start coming just start coming you need the Lord tonight you want the Lord tonight these babies coming gotta fill these babies with the Holy Ghost tonight you want the Holy Ghost come with them come with them I'm gonna pray for them babies they're gonna get the Holy Ghost come on babies come on babies come on babies come on you want the Holy Ghost tonight run down 
down here. Now, number two, you've been wounded, but you're saying, God, you told me if I'd keep worshiping, you'd bless me for every wound that I took, everything that I've been through. I feel a lot of family stuff tonight. Some of you have got problems and situations in your home, in your extended family. God said, don't be bitter anymore. Walk down here and worship me, and I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to bless you big for everything you go through if you'll have a right spirit. Come on down here, worship a little while. Walk down here and worship a little while. Come on, run worship and run with a praise in your mouth. Run with a praise in your mouth. Anybody here wounded? Anybody here been scarred? Anybody here been hurt? Then the Lord said, come worship me. Come on, I want about five ladies that know how to pray to run right down here where these babies are. God's going to pour the Holy Ghost on these babies right here. He lobo shekeni bahasana tahaya. I hear you, Lord. This is Dennis. What's your wife's name? Jennifer. They confirmed to me what I told them today was the Holy Ghost. They confirmed it at the Goins house. I did not know this. I'm always fair with this church. I, I never get information and try to act like God. I don't play that game. They, she told me this part myself that, that she has lost her baby. But I know a God. I know a God. And the first thing that God is going to do is he's going to heal this in their minds and their hearts. That's priority number one. It's priority number one. A couple of you got to walk this way. Stretch your hands. Well, God brought these people here tonight for a reason. They're going to be baptized in Jesus' name tonight. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. When we start baptizing, they're going to the water. And let me tell you something else God's going to do. God's going to put them in a good church. When I spoke to them today and told them about it, they confirmed it to me in your driveway, Bishop. They said, my God, what you told us, ain't that what you said? They said, exactly what we're going through. They drove all the way over here from around Houston, come to Glenmore. You tell me that God doesn't know how to raise up a church for wounded people. And they evidently have confidence in my ministry. And I got confidence in God. I got confidence in God that God's going to heal wounds tonight like he did this lady right here. When he told me about her, there's no way but only the Holy Ghost. That's God. Don't give me no praise. What you ought to be doing is shouting, saying, God, you, you really know what's going on. This is what the Lord told me. It's Jennifer, right? Jennifer and Dennis. The Lord said, there's no blame on you in this matter. You don't blame yourself. You don't carry any guilt. Don't carry any animosity. Don't carry any hate. Don't carry any resentment about what, took ha what happened and what took place. Because the Lord also spoke to me today when I went back in the bishop's house. And the Lord told me to tell you because the time was not yet. The time was not yet. God is going to do something with you first. And then he's going to give you a healthy, bouncing, 
baby. But the time was not now. What God is going to do to you and to others that will do what I'm going to tell you to do right now. You feel something starting to hover on us right now? That's the breath of God breathing on us. What God is going to do for you when you go to that baptistry in a moment and you're baptized in the name of the Lord and anybody else that will go to that baptistry and be baptized in the name of the Lord, there is a troubling angel back there over them waters right now. He's troubling what's going on. Listen to me, Jennifer. When you go to that water, not only does it wash sins away, it breaks the power of condemnation. It breaks the past. It breaks depression. It breaks torment. All depression's leaving your mind tonight you hear me it's going to leave all that stuff's going to leave if you'll go to that water and be baptized tonight there's going to come a stirring in that water that when you come out of that water and raise up your hands the power of the Holy Ghost is going to wash your stripes it's going to wash your wounds I want you to stretch your hands and pray for a moment come on we're going to lay hands on some folks while they sing and then Michael's going to open that door and when he opens that door wide everything that wants to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost I'm going to move that's it sister to go and lay hands and pray. Obey the Lord right now. Obey the Lord right now. Obey the Lord right now. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Come on, church, open up your mouth. I'm preaching to wounded people tonight. I'm preaching to people tonight that's wounded, people that's hurting, people that's scarred, people that need a miracle. Oh, here you go, young man. Let it out. That's the Holy Ghost on that baby right there. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, church. I want you to pray. Somebody back there, dim those house lights so we won't just look around. We need to pray for a minute of the Holy Ghost. We need to spend about three or four minutes just talking to the Lord. Letting him know some men walk this church. Some women pray in this church. Somebody that needs a miracle, let him know I'm still standing, Lord. I'm wounded, but I'm worshiping. That's beautiful. That's beautiful what I feel here right now. It's beautiful what I feel here right now. I feel like pronouncing some healing over you right now. I'm going to pronounce healing in the name of Jesus over you. I pronounce healing over bodies right now. Everything that's in your stomach, everything that's in your heart, every disease that we're trying to grow in your body. Somebody that's having a problem with ulcers. If you got an ulcer problem in your body right now, in the name of Jesus, you're about to be healed. When I start praying for you and you feel the Lord touching you, raise up both your hands, get as close to these steps as you can. Something's going to pull you this way. Somebody that's got a problem with the ulcer, it's going to dry up out of your body right now. I pray the shatorobokotima bosimarabahataya over you right there, brother. Those of you having a problem with ulcers, run right there, right now. The water's troubled. I feel a healing going through you. I feel a healing going through you. Ulcers are coming out of your body right now. Out of your stomach. Other people, you're having like an acid reflux. In the name of Jesus, let the power of the Holy Ghost Breathe upon you right now. Come on, if I'm speaking to you, run down here. Run down here. Get as close as you can. While the Holy Ghost, run. Push. Press. Press. Push. Press. Push. Ulcers and acid reflux is going to be healed tonight. How you know, Brother Johnson? Because God said, and he can't lie. If you're sick in your body and you need hands laid on you, if you'll run right now, we're going to lay hands. A miracle is going to fall on you. Are you ready? Are you believing?